Hello, welcome to Book Talk. I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. At Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about his book or her book. And today we have a great guest with us with an interesting title of a book. <laughs> you smell like outside. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about the book without the author being here with us. So let's welcome to the show, Erica Alcox. Hello, hello, how are you? I'm fine, I hope you're fine too. I am, thank you. Yes, so where are you right now? Right now I am in Atlanta, Georgia, mm -hmm. and I am enjoying the comfort of my home, <laughs> relaxing, get some much needed rest. <laughs> and oh, I hope beautiful. everyone is taking time for themselves to get some rest. Oh, sure, sure. Even though we had quite a big period of resting, and then <laughs> it's never enough. Then we have been released. And I hope your place you've been released because where I am, we've just been told you're free to go where you want, whenever, when you want, with what you want. You don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we have pretty much had some, some boundaries here and there, which was a good thing. Of course, we didn't appreciate it at the time, but, you know, it's good to have boundaries. Uh, yeah, it's always good to have boundaries. So uh, let us know a bit more of yourself. I mean, were you born there? How was it growing up? And Well, I am originally from Charleston, South Carolina, okay. um, also known as the Holy City, but it's also known as a hub for culture. Uh, people say that Charleston is the place that you can go to in this country where the majority of traditions and 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 um, the the lifestyle is mostly reserved, directly connected to our African bloodline. Mm -hmm. So um, it's always been a pleasure to be uh, dignified, signified, symbolized as Gullah Geechee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm the youngest of seven. So having big family having, you know, just people always around you, your support system, that is something that um, has always been a, a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, even when I left home and went to school, um, I always found these pockets of people that would serve as my extended family. And so um, as I get older, I, you know, do my best to become that support system for others. Mm -hmm. um, while not depriving myself. So um, it plays a lot into to, um, how I live my life and how I am responsible for the energy that I bring into any environment that I enter. Mm, beautiful. And I'm always excited by one fact. I'm the youngest of seven. So am I the youngest of seven. <laughs> yes, number seven, number seven. <laughs> we are the seventh. So uh, tell us, when did you start writing? Actually, my mother said that I was always a writer when I was young, and mm -hmm. um, especially when I would get do things that I think thought I was going to get in trouble for, I would write a little letter trying to explain <laughs> my side of the story so that I wouldn't, um, you know, be treated too harshly and, you know, just hear me out, just hear me out. So really, I've always been a writer, but formally... Um, getting into poetry throughout uh, middle school and high school. And really even before then in elementary school, I remember for a um, for an assignment, I wrote a script for a TV show. Of course, mm -hmm. it never went any further than the teacher's desk, but I just remember that. 
that I have such a vivid imagination and a way with words. So it started very early on and um, I didn't really pay attention to that being a gift until I got older, maybe perhaps in my mid twenties and began writing for other people, whether it be for a talent show, a monologue they wanted to do, and I would write. Um, again, still didn't take it seriously. Um, just thought, oh, okay, this is just something that I do. And I think that tends to happen a lot with people who have a gift for something. It comes so naturally that we, you know, don't bat an eye at it. We just do it and think nothing of it. Um, but something told me that I needed to pay attention out, you know, just little incidences, um, occurrences where people would respond a certain way to things that I would write, say, for example, on social media. Mm -hmm. And they say, you have such a way with words. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and my thing is, I want to make sure that what I want to say is understood by the people who are reading or hearing me. Mm -hmm. So it's okay if it makes sense to you, but is the person receiving the message, are they going to understand? Are they going to be able to relate what you're talking about in order to really, you know, call it communication? Mm -hmm. um, so as, as the years go by, I, I became more and more serious about it, or I shouldn't say serious, but more aware of you know what? I do have a gift because, you know, we've all read some things. We were like, what did I just read? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's interesting because it's almost, it's very therapeutic for me. So, yeah. um, and, and again, as I said earlier, being responsible for the energy that I bring, that's an energy. The spoken word, the written word is an energy. So you uh, have, we all have a responsibility to make sure that the energy that is present in those words um, do no harm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's um, my relationship with writing and um, how I, I foster that to help people get what they need from whatever I write. Oh, beautiful. So let us know what's your profession or do you just write or you, what, what and what do you other, other, other things do you do? Um, well, as of right now, <clears throat> I am an educator. Uh, the latest platform that I was an edu educator in is uh, the public school system. Um, however, um, education takes place everywhere, as we know. So sure. I do have traditional and non-traditional students. Um, I do provide services for um, individuals who are in especially the food industry. Um, that's my background because being the youngest of seven, I, I had to learn how to do something. And so cooking is my thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I use that to um, create a food production company. And in the midst of that, I'm a person that always likes to do a little bit more digging and seeing how I can, you know, make something into something bigger. And I am a licensed um, and certified proctor and instructor for one of the uh, agencies that issue certifications for food handlers and managers who run restaurants and things of that nature. So I help people with education in different fields. I'm a certified life coach. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it just warms my heart when I see my clients, whether it be high school students, whether it be adults who are managers at restaurants, um, people who own their own catering business or food truck, whether it be um, someone just trying to scrape their way out of rock bottom, it does not matter what path they're on. As an educator, it always makes my heart so warm to see them apply the things that we talk about, the things that matter to them. And I, you know, I don't dictate to them what they should do. I give them the tools to figure out what they want to do, mm -hmm. what they feel sings to their heart. And so just being able to coach them and, and answer their own questions and be there for them if they feel like they've made a decision that doesn't really vibe with um, the end result that they desire. So mm. by trade, I, I am an educator in all aspects. And um, I do whip up a little something in the kitchen <laughs> mm. and provide those um, those delicacies to, to people who would like to enjoy. Mm. So you like cooking and don't we all love eating? So yes. we have the right person before us who, who is able to cook and provide the right delicacies for us to eat. And let me know, uh, since you grew up writing, as your mother told you that you grew up writing, born writing, grew up writing, at what point did you publish your first book and which was it? The first book that I actually published was an ebook. Um, and it was Okra Soup Truth for the Spirit. And it was a self-help, people categorize it as a self-help. Um, <clears throat> the thing that makes it self-help is that I was helping myself because <laughs> I wrote it in a, a time of my life where things really weren't um, at their best. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to stay in that space too long. So I had to coach myself. Um, and since writing is therapeutic, I, I wrote down what I needed to hash out. You know how sometimes we're in the middle of something and we want to pick someone's brain or bounce ideas off of somebody and just get it outside of our head. So mm -hmm. for me, that looks like me writing. Um, and when it was all said and done, um, I had a... a ebook and um it it amazed me how when i just shared that hey y'all I, I wrote an ebook and people like oh give me the link and i'm like oh y'all want it you know it is it's just always hilarious to me that i'll write these things and i'll get on the platforms for you know for selling it but i'm not thinking about selling it i'm i'm i just want to see it it's kind of like you just want to put a trophy on a shelf Mm -hmm. And then people come along and want to buy tickets to come see it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you want to see that? <laughs> um, so it was Okra Soup uh, for the Spirit, uh, Table for One. That was what it's called. And it was me working through some issues, working through some questions that I had and asking questions, just, you know, going on that journey, going mm -hmm. on that search of, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm here? And why am I here in this space that doesn't feel so good? Mm -hmm. um, and that was the beginning of it all. Um, ever since then, I've written a few journals. I have one called uh, Four Keys to Unlock Your Audacity, um, helping people to fight through. So if you can look at 
that, you can see that I began with what's going on to, okay, this is a little bit of what I know is going on. So how are we going to work through it? And then the main book, You Smell Like Outside is, okay, now that I kind of figure out what's going on, let's figure out why I was doing those things. So I took a look back <laughs> at some mistakes that I made mm -hmm. and I just, I aired my dirty laundry. Uh, you know, I didn't, you know, mention any names or anything, but I really talked about some events and situations that, you know, we, we tend to call skeletons in the closet and we don't want anybody to know. Yeah. But I figured if I was serious about my healing and serious about growing and just becoming better and elevating, that I had to open up the closet, let those bones fall out and give myself grace, be unapologetic, but also forgive myself for, you know, holding on to those things from the past. We become so stagnant sometimes because it's painful. Mm. It, it, it really is painful to look at things because you remember what the result was from a decision. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay. It's okay. It, it wasn't exactly an easy book to write, but it yeah. was very necessary. Yeah. And from that explanation, we kind of uh, picture uh, how you did this, but I don't want to assume please tell us how did you settle on that title you smell like outside <laughs> <laughs> i get that question a lot and, and i love explaining it because i believe in being intentional with everything um and what what's what's even more fitting is that i wrote it while we were under quarantine mm -hmm. um or i should say i rewrote it when we were under quarantine, because I had written that book three times prior mm. and all three times before something happened, either my laptop would stop working and things would erase or it would just it would just poof, magically disappear. Something would always happen to what I was writing. And I said, what is going on? This is like the umpteenth time I'm trying to write this book. Mm -hmm. And when I was under quarantine like the rest of the world. I was really, really, you know, having an episode dealing, you know, I, I managed depression and anxiety, especially after, you know, the pandemic and seeing so much loss and just series of events in our lives. Everybody has a story. Um, mm. And I knew it was time um, to to hash some serious stuff out because I'm like, I'm beginning to see a pattern and patterns don't just happen, you know, out the blue. It's mm. something that I'm doing or allowing and or allowing that's causing this pattern to happen over and over and over again. So while we're being forced to go inside, let me use this time. Let me use this time to focus something that, you know, I didn't really have because, you know, with the school system, you're on this tight schedule. And when you get home, then I have to take care of my own child. And, you know, it's just it just never seems to be enough time. Mm -hmm. Well, you smell like outside forced me to go inside while we were being forced to stay inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you smell like outside, that means that you're looking outside of yourself 
for your solutions. Mm -hmm. So you smell like outside and it's something everybody can relate to because, you know, uh, children will go outside and play. And when they come inside, it's just this aroma that you is no mistake and you smell like outside yeah. and it means that you've been frolicking and running through the grass and everything else like that so with this book um you smell like outside means that you've been running away from the work that you need to do inside mm -hmm. you've been running away from the questions that you need to ask yourself and answer mm -hmm. you've been running away from the work mm -hmm. if you want to heal you have to do the work because you can't say that you're tired of feeling a certain way or you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, yet you're not sitting down to rest and heal. And that requires real work, not just posting a, a motivational meme or putting up a status that gets your point across. And, you know, it healing doesn't always involve an audience. Mm -hmm. You have to sit inside of yourself and focus. Some people call it meditating. I call it meditating. I call it just sitting still and listening mm -hmm. and, and becoming one with your mess so that you can dig and clean it up. Mm. And yeah. that's how the title came apart. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's always good to be reflective, reflect on ourselves. But then you use this uh, analogy of you when we were told to go inside, you went deeper inside yourself. And I agree with you when you say that it's not an easy job. It's, it's, when we use the word reflection, it sounds like an easy job. But I like the word that you used before uh, when you said that you like digging. It's a matter of going deep inside and digging that what is inside, hidden outside there. Bring it out, examine it, mm -hmm. and then see what you're going to change so that you will be a better person tomorrow than you were yesterday. Yes, so, I, I see that. So uh, drive us a bit deeper into the book, if you will. <laughs> well, I, I will say that the first three pages mm -hmm. um, of the book, <laughs> I had someone send me a message. They said, whoa, you just didn't waste any time, did you? <laughs> and um, that message came from a person who remembered the event that I was talking about. Okay. Um, that uh, took place. I went to South Carolina State University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So an HBCU and, and, and being able to be in that environment with people who look like me, it, it, you know, just the culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something about us when we get together and we're living our lives, especially in a safe space. And, you know, your social life begins to really, you know, grow and blossom um, and you're having fun. And did a, a few things that that I'll just say it involved a a a, a coat <laughs> and taking a little walk, mm -hmm. and then the next morning forgetting some things. Um, I don't want to give it away for people who who are really um, into the book, but um, I I just describe some instances that took place and, and just to set the tone anybody who can relate to how the energy was in your life during the 90s um you have 90s r b you have um the tv show a different world where you know just being black and being proud and and 
in, in a different way from the previous uh, generation where they, you know, just, just this pride. Um, so it was our turn to, to experience that and having the music, the hip hop, the R&B, the just, it just set the tone for fun. It was mm -hmm. good fun and being a teen and becoming a young adult during that time, it was just an awesome time. Mm -hmm. um, and so inside of the book, I talk about some of the decisions and choices that I made um, that weren't really the best, <laughs> but I had fun doing it. I, I really, I tell everybody all the time, I give myself a lot of graces. I have no regrets. I have mm -hmm. no regrets. There mm -hmm. are some things that, you know, I wouldn't wish on, on anybody. Um, however, you know, I'm still alive and kicking, still got a pulse. So everything worked together for the good of my higher self. Mm -hmm. um, inside of the book, I also talk about being a solo parent um, and, and how I, you know, dealt with an event that impacted my, my son. Um, and my hope in sharing that was to allow for other solo parents, whether it's a mother or a father, um, on how to process that, that emotion without ego taking over mm -hmm. and keeping in mind that there's a child that needs to be the priority here. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you balance that with protecting your peace and protecting your dignity and your integrity? It's, mm -hmm. it's a very um, complicated <laughs> complicated and and I, I don't even know the word for a person that writes words. I don't even know the word to give to it. It's just, it's such a pickle to be in. Um, and it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to handle that in a way to where your child is, is, is not being impacted negatively as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, so it goes from talking about, you know, dating, uh, to parenting, even to a period of time where my son and I were displaced. Um, a lot of people don't like the word homeless, <laughs> but that's what it was. We did mm -hmm. not have a permanent roof um, and how to manage that. I do um, recall one passage where I talked about how shocked I was and how people responded to me when I shared publicly that I was needing some help. I'm a person, it takes a lot for me to ask for help because um, I'm a you know person that will figure it out. And that was doing more hurt than good mm -hmm. to me. And it wasn't just me. I had to consider my son. So I went public and I went public on social media because I have you know, a social media platform. And I just shared that you know we were experiencing homelessness and if anybody had any resources, um, to help expedite that transition into our, you know, own home, I would greatly appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And it was so eye opening to see two things. You never realize how many people are rooting for you. Yeah, Sometimes you feel so alone in this world. And the saying goes, we have not because we ask not. Mm -hmm. and sometimes we ask not because pride and ego are in the way. And I noticed that there was a conversation I needed to have with myself about mm -hmm. why are you so tied up 
and what people think about who and what you should be. Mm -hmm. I had to have that conversation and, and I, some things were, were brought to the to forefront that um, I'm working on. And still to this day, I'm still working on I'm way better than what I was. Um, and I, you know, so I was not really shocked, but it warmed my heart. And sometimes we have to be reminded we have a whole lot of people rooting for us and wanting to stand in the gap for us. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that, that really kind of pulled the rug up from under my feet was the amount of people who were angry with me for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's be mad together because I'm mad that we don't have a permanent room. <laughs> but it made them feel so uncomfortable and upset that I was sharing something so private yeah. or that showed so much vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's connected with them projecting their own insecurities and in, in not being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have so much pressure on our shoulders and we're the one holding it together for the family or for the company or for, you know, the, the relationship that we, we can't show any signs of weakness. Mm -hmm. And to them, that showed signs of weakness. And I said, if only you knew how long it took me <laughs> to go public. Mm -hmm. with this asking for help. It takes so much courage. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be quiet and suffer in silence. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's easier. I should say that. I'm not going to say it's easy because I don't want to, you know, disrespect anybody who's going through something and, and trying so hard to, to be vocal about it. Yeah. But it's easier. It's easier <clears throat> to suffer in silence than it is to be vocal about I know y'all think I have it all together, but I don't. Mm. And it's wonderful to see everybody now be so aware of it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I see as uh, you've given the subtitle is exactly what you're saying. I mean, things are not always, I mean, it's not always comfortable to express those deep parts to come out and draw out your skeletons and lay them out there in the open. And uh, what you've given your subtitle as uncomfortable but necessary conversations, I, I agree that at some point it's always important to bring out the skeletons. Yes. As, as far as mud as it is uncomfortable, we are called sometimes to come out of our comfort zone in order for something better to happen. So what would you say is the necessity for us doing this, the main necessity? You know, um, as they say on packages, results may vary. <laughs> so the necessity, I'll put it to you like this. It's necessary because without putting priority on things that serve as part of the toxicity, mm -hmm. the, 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 the blockage, when you don't pay attention to that and you're just focusing on, you know, what's easy and what's good and what's, you know, flowing properly mm -hmm. at some point that, issue that blockage is going to interrupt and disrupt the progress. Mm -hmm. So 
the necessity is you want to preserve the progress. So always check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Check in with the stuff that's uncomfortable. Um, I have <laughs> I, I have this uh, example, and 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 I'll filter it a little bit. I, I'm not one that that normally sugarcoats anything, but this this example really gets people to understand. Yeah, she's right. Mm-hmm. When you think about your digestive system, and you have a blockage, mm-hmm. I'll just put it to you like that and things aren't moving the way that your body needs it to move and you begin to feel bloated and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you can't even sit down right you can't lay down and you just need stuff to to leave your Mm -hmm. digestive system Mm -hmm. but you're scared of the pain or the discomfort of having it to leave well it's going to hurt to stay and it's going to hurt for a little while for it to leave. Mm-hmm. So you have to choose your discomfort. Mm-hmm. If you have to be uncomfortable, because you're going to be uncomfortable in either scenario. Yeah. Which one are you going to endure? The one that's <laughs> going to take forever and, oh, I just can't, I just can't. Or, oh, goodness. And much like childbirth. But see, everybody can't relate to childbirth. But everybody mm-hmm. got a digestive system. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if you endure that discomfort for just that short amount of time, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's a short amount of time. Um, it feels like it's forever because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, that discomfort, you know, kind of, um, what's the word? It, it kind of exaggerates the amount of time. It makes mm-hmm. it feel like it's forever, but really it was in the blink of an eye. And the minute you endured that pain and that discomfort, all of a sudden you get this, <gasps> mm. <laughs> this relief Wow! and you're able to, to go forward. So it's a necessity. Mm-mm. It is necessary for you to be able to protect your peace. Mm. Yes, indeed. Protect your peace, protect your progress by taking just a moment to address the mess. Mm. That's good. Address the mess. That's address good. The mess. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And uh, at this point, I want to thank each and every person who's been with uh, who's been with us or this far, uh, those who are watching, and also those who get to listen to these once it's recorded. At this point, uh, let me read one of the comments of the viewers. Everything happens in God's time. So <laughs> you smell like outside. Came at exactly that time of, um, what is it? I hit something. Several times of trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And they say congratulations. congratulations, Erica. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, and uh, all the others who are here, thank you. And uh, after you watch, comment, send it to your friends and relatives and let them know that it's good to bring out that which is outside or relieve. And for yes, get that relief tomorrow, a better tomorrow. So let's keep on moving. Uh, I, I looked at some of your titles of the chapters, and maybe I'll mention one or two. You'll tell us, you'll give us a hint of what we are going to find there. Who is you? That's the first chapter. I would think you mentioned that. So let's not go there. Uh, clean glasses. <sighs> It's, it's, it's about being honest. 
-hmm. you know, we look at things and sometimes um, I had a conversation with, with uh, a friend of mine uh, and we were talking about how being in the middle of a situation that is just horrible, the people on the outside looking in, not having all of the information can mm -hmm. see what is going on. Why is that person staying in that situation? But the person in the situation, you know, is just there and mm -hmm. said, she said, I saw all the red flags and just took the red flags and acted like I was Diana Ross. And she showed me this picture of Diana Ross twirling with, with red, with a red um, outfit on sequins and everything. And it was just hilarious. So clean glasses means that really look at the situation and be honest with yourself. Be honest. It, again, it does not feel good. Sometimes you might want to judge yourself. Remember to give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself up too bad. And just, just be honest. Just, just be honest. It's the easiest thing to do, but the hardest thing to do at the same time. So yeah. that's what clean glasses is. Eat better today. <laughs> Um, in that chapter, I talked about, um, it, it was a little bit about my son and I and, and the um, challenges that we were facing um, and how I still showed him how even when you're at rock bottom, you still can have standards. You still can have aspirations. Your current circumstances do not dictate your value. Mm -hmm. You're always valuable. You're always worthy, no matter what your surroundings look like. And mm -hmm. so that was a chapter where we always work towards the better. You always believe you let today take care of itself and tomorrow will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So always work towards better and um, just working on his mindset, because I couldn't imagine going through the transitions we went through at his age. He mm -hmm. was, you know, in elementary and middle school while we were going through those hard, hard, hard times. And, you know, that 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 forms your your thought process and mm -hmm. your idea of, of who you are. So I was doing my best, the best that I could to make sure I preserved his self-esteem and his self-image um, that he's always worthy. Mm -hmm. Good. Expiration dates. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we, we stay, allow people to have access for longer than they should. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and every now and then, you know, you need to check some expiration dates. Don't don't try to hold on to that package that expired three months ago. And mm -hmm. you're just trying to figure out, well, maybe if I know, let it go. Let mm. it go. Beautiful. So many other chapters there that the reader is going to enjoy. So that's just the examples. Last but last but not least, say grace. Ooh, um, it, it's it's just going back to the message of of letting things be as they need to be. Don't force it. Um, mm -hmm. Giving yourself grace. Being grateful. Um, finding a lot of people tend to think. Um, and this is out of conversation that toxic positivity is just as bad as negativity, which is mm -hmm. true, um, in, in my opinion. Um, when you're ignoring challenges and you're just trying to stay, it's almost synonymous with being numb. Mm -hmm. But when you are saying grace, you are 
keeping your, your thoughts positive in negative situations and you're facing the, the, the honest truth, you're having the uncomfortable conversations and you're not allowing yourself to beat yourself up while you find out some things that you might not like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you have to breathe. And even inside of the book, I even invite the reader, which at the time when I wrote it, I was the reader. So it's mm-hmm. literally when you read the book, you're eavesdropping on a conversation I'm having with myself. Mm. I th- do believe and somebody shared that's why people felt so comfortable reading the book because they didn't felt feel like they were being judged or being preached at yeah because you know they several people said i felt like i was in your living room and we were just sitting there chit-chatting about things that i've been wanting to talk about mm-hmm. for so long mm-hmm. and and that's the the voice that i use because it's it's already hard enough to have those type of conversations so why would you want to bring any extra stress or tension into that situation? It's about creating a safe space for somebody to feel vulnerable. And that ties into my, you know, my gift of being an educator It's not, you know, mm-hmm. even though you have to go through these classes and get these papers and certifications and all of this stuff, I've always been gifted as an educator. We all have our gifts. Mm-hmm. And to be able to take a vulnerable time when a person is learning something new, mm-hmm. when you're learning something new, you're showing a weak spot. You're being yeah. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in order for a person to actually learn something, they have to feel like they are safe to be vulnerable. Yeah. And if more people who um, proclaim themselves to be subject matter, matter experts in so many industries would learn that, it's an art. Mm-hmm. It's an art or either it's a gift. I took my gift and turned it into an art. So anybody who um, is an educator or has anything dealing with any type of curriculum, not just in traditional schools, whether it be in corporations, um, especially with with training employees, um, training, you know, supervisors, just anybody in a place where people have to interact with one another and train one another. If you don't have it as a gift, get it as an art. Mm. And, 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 you know, saying grace is, is being able to have those conversations about, oh, I tried to teach somebody something and whether that somebody is you and I didn't do too well with that. I, I, I they shut down, they mm. shut down. So. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such a beautiful book that you've written and everything that you shared with us concerning the book. How big is the book? Actually, this edition is less than 100 pages. I want to say it's like 72 pages. So and the chapters big? are, yeah, so it's really a quick read. Mm-hmm. And that helped because <laughs> the funny thing about it is I have been labeled um, as attention deficit <laughs> disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attention span goes like this, but it's because I, you know, my mind is, I'm a creative, so it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't see it as a bad thing. You just have to know how to manage it. And I have my techniques and tools. So with my book, the chapters, I have one chapter that might be two pages long. Okay. And when you feel like you're making progress, you know, you want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, and, and some things, 
it didn't take forever for me to say it. You know, it didn't take 15 pages for me to say something until I moved into the next topic. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a, an easy read. It's a quick read and, and it's so impactful. Um, I saw something in my Facebook memories where a person um, that had bought the book, she posted a video and she said, I got my sticky notes and she had highlighted stuff. She was like, y'all got to get this book. And that made me feel good that people that I wrote the book in a way that people felt like they they could manage, you know, reading the mm -hmm. content without feeling overwhelmed. I wanted them to be excited. I wanted them to feel like, you know, hey, we got the key. We got the shovel to get ourselves out of here. So that, that's what I was looking forward to. Yeah, and it's good at uh, this uh, time of uh, overwhelming information to just have something to read as quick as possible and draw the lessons therein. So thank you very much for that. The next question is, where can we get the book? You can get the book at okrasuptruth.com or you can get it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, either way, a lot of people on Amazon because it gets there quickly, um, quicker, because uh, getting it from Okrasu coming directly from me. And I will say that every book that I sent out, I bless it. And mm -hmm. every now and then um, I'll have a request to sign it. And mm -hmm. some people I know, some people I don't know. And um, I am very unapologetic about being an intuitive. So the messages that I write, um, I'm very intentional. And mm -hmm. it never feels they'll say I needed to hear that at that time. So mm -hmm. um, oprasuittruth.com is where you get the, the book um, with some blessings and intentions infused into the pages along with the the words and goodness that's already written, um, mm -hmm. or you can go on Amazon and get it there. Beautiful. So all you who are listening, go to okrasuptruth.com and get the book. And now, before we go, at Book Talk, we always ask our guests to leave us with some few words that we will always remember, which are yours. In this moment, I will say the thing that has been resonating with me over the past few months is that when you have something pulling at you, whether it be a goal, an aspiration, um, something as big as, you know, I'm going to reach out to this person or if it's something as small as, you know what, I'm going to lay down today and do absolutely nothing but rest. When you have something pulling at your heart, please pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. There's no mistake about things that go through your mind. When somebody pops into your head and then all of a sudden they call, they're like, I was just thinking about you. It's real. It's mm -hmm. real. So I want to say, sit still and Listen, in this society where everything is on a time frame and, and schedule this and alert this and, you know, you can get something at the, the tap of a screen and everything is so rushed, sit still, sit still, listen, speak out what it is that's pulling on you and be open to receive. 
be open to receive. Sometimes we battle with that worthiness to where, you know, you know, the main reason why it took me so long to ask for help. Sometimes we feel like we're not worthy enough, but we are worthy. Mm -hmm. We are worthy. Mm -hmm. mm. We are worthy. So be willing and ready to receive. Yes. So here we've been at Book Talk with Erica Alcox covering the book. You smile like outside. And we've been glad that you've heard it and you've been watching us. And we wish that you go get the book and live a positive life. Reflect inside and go outside a fresh person. Make tomorrow a better place and a better day than it was yesterday. Thank you very much, Erica. We are honored to have you here. And Thank uh, you for having me. Yes, I am your host, Anthony Morore, and we say bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye.